Hello and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance podcast. This is the podcast where we discuss what leadership looks like in the modern insurance business. We talk to insure tech leaders and founders, innovators and change agents from the insurance industry. We also talk to thought leaders from outside the industry, such as organizational psychologists, performance coaches and investment professionals. Anyone who can add value to the conversation on how to lead insurance businesses of the future. Good morning and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance podcast. I'm your host, Alex Bond, and I'm very lucky to be joined by Christian, CEO of Elements, uh, a tech-enabled insurance company. Um, Christian, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning, Alex. Uh, thanks a lot for having me and uh, I'm actually doing fine. Thanks. Yeah. Always sounds a bit false because I know we've, we've always been speaking for five minutes, but um, I always like to <laughs> reassure people that you're okay and uh, you're not here under duress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we had the first jokes already. So it's, it's actually, I'm, I'm actually really fine. Yeah. <laughs> good, good, good. good. Yeah. Well, look, I, 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 obviously I've introduced as a tech enabled insurance company, which is a good starting point, but um, it'd be lovely if you could um, introduce Element um, uh, and, and, and give us a kind of short overview of the business so people understand yeah. yeah we are an inshore tech and uh, in order to be at least in my view a proper inshore tech you need to combine the two words and that's insurance and technology so we are a fully licensed insurance carrier we're an insurance company um, licensed um, in germany under under buffin but uh, can work um, via freedom of service in the rest of europe but we are also, and that's actually the heavy lifting to do both. Uh, we are also a technology company by heart. That means we have built our, call it the back end, the middle layer. Everybody has different words. Um, and for that, um, ourselves. Um, so we create and administer any kind of PNC insurance policies out there um, in the market. And we do that for others. So we have built the value chain internally um, on our own proprietary um, and tech, including the operations. But what we don't do is the, the marketing, the, the go-to-market, the, the customer acquisition. So legally we own the customer, but we are probably one of the few startups that do not want to own the customer in the market. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, I'm, always, I'm always impressed by how succinct people can manage to uh, uh, cover that off, but that, that, that was really helpful. Thank you. Um, I, I want to get into this kind of value chain that, that we talked about, but I wanted to just kind of, you know, sort of start at the beginning, um, particularly with your profile, because um, I'm always intrigued to kind of speak to people that come from external to kind of the insurance uh, market. Um, and I think that probably lends itself to um, the, the sort of, some weight to what you said about being a technology business and an insurance business, because, you know, I'm, I'm right in believing that your, your background's more in the technology space and leadership of technology businesses than, than insurance. It's very nice of you to put me in the technology space. I think somebody who's really in technology wouldn't say that, uh, but from the outside, uh, probably I'm more tech than I'm insurance. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm, I'm, I myself, yeah. yeah, I come more from the B2B world, uh, e-commerce uh, world, and, uh, and mining and metals, so very, very different parts in the, in the overall value chain of this world and, and how the world uh, works. 
and I always perceived the uh, insurances as boring and uh, whatsoever. And uh, it turns out it is not. It's actually very <laughs> complex. It's very interesting. And the complexity, if you, I think technology was made to solve complexity. Yeah, complexity as a service, we often say for, for element. And that's then really, really cool. And perhaps that answers a bit what you they wanted to, to say about how does somebody not coming from the insurance industry can even possibly think of going into the insurance industry. Yeah, I think it's still perceived as very boring from the outside. And I I see this as a competitive advantage by now because then nobody moves in, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's very true. Um, you know, there, there, there always used to be this um, uh, terrible joke that if you had, I think, so if you had three sons, want to be a surgeon, want to be a lawyer, and then, and then, and then the, the simple one went into insurance. And, um, you know, I, I think it's always had that reputation of being more simplistic um, than banking, uh, more boring than, or, or less exciting anyway. Um, and I think that's what's led to this kind of sort of slightly delayed explosion in the investment in insurtech, whereas a lot of the kind of neo banks um, obviously you know, began their journey earlier. And then before that, you had kind of the, the evolution of things like retail. Um, you know, insurance is just a little bit late to the party. Um, but yeah, absolutely. It's, it's kind of still got a competitive advantage. Um, I'm intrigued. There's obviously someone coming outside in, um, coming from kind of, you know, place like Groupon, uh, um, what, what, did, is there anything that you learned from the insurance market that surprised you that, that, that you hadn't expected? Mm, yeah, I of course did my, my fair share of slowly getting into the industry. Uh, I invested in a few startups out, purely out of the people that went into it, not, not really understanding um, so much about it. But then also in my previous job at, at Rakuten, Mm -hmm. we, we, with even consultants and everything, went through the whole industry out there and uh, banking and insurance. And, and with that, I started um, to go in. But what surprised me when I was in is that exactly the opposite of what perhaps the naive perception um, is. It's uh, not boring, but very interesting. And the people are also not boring, but they are actually very friendly. Yeah, and they just... I think because the perception onto the industry is that people are a bit defensive uh, when they are working in the insurance industry and they don't even showcase the, the complexity, the, the integration of the value chain in, in insurance companies is so much deeper than probably in any other industry um, I've seen. If you look at larger insurance companies, they do everything from sales to the insurance product, to the operations and even to the reinsurance. So. There is no delivery market. There is no what in the automotive industry might be a, a Bosch or a Knorr or, or something. It doesn't really exist. Some tech providers. And that that really, like, it surprised me that the complexity is so strong and the political forces led to very strange market structures yeah you have the the mutuals uh, or the cooperatives uh, in the market that no kkr no equity no alliance can can consolidate um, um, the market so you have a fragmented market where each company has a fully integrated um, value chain which um, economically doesn't make sense at all but it is the case and now technology hits that structure 
and it, it will form something new. I'm honest, very honest. I don't know really what the new will be, but it will be different. Yeah? Mm-hmm. It, it, technology will change that older structure that has been built um, there out of different um, and, and forces. And then being part of that is actually really, really cool. And the incumbents, for me, they are not competitors because we, I think we work in different markets. They are very, very open. Um, if you perhaps don't stand in front of them and telling them that what they've done 150 years is stupid and that you build uh, the biggest insurance company in the next three years because they are smart and they know that you won't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always... Um... I don't know, I, I just have this analogy in my mind of like the, the young pop-up start like barking at the big dog and, and the silence being met by the big dog in the insurance market um, has been taken to be seen as like weakness or ignorance. And it's like, no, they just know it's a little bit more complicated than you're making it out to see. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's very easy and we've seen a lot of marketing which has been, you know, insurance is broken or... and. And that for me was kind of an interesting marketing point that when the first company did it, but when I've read the, um, you know, the hundredth ins- new insure tech company that says insurance is broken. It's like, it's kind of lost its magic. And now it just, it feels a bit sort of almost an ignorant point. Um, and, and it's more that insurance is, is, needs improvement on its delivery and it needs improvement on its processes but to say insurance is broken is broken is to invalidate an entire industry <laughs> yeah and the, the 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 general idea of insurance of course is absolutely perfect mm. yeah, and it's uh, very much value creating um and if you look at a lot of these players that might get out and there are so many that uh, i can say that and without probably touching any specific name yeah. um, and and then if you if you look deeper very few do this heavy lifting of being then an insurance company which you need to be because if you don't own your underwriting how can you fix what is supposedly broken mm-hmm. if you then rely on an incumbent insurer um, 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 to underwrite um, um, your risk I, I thought it's broken um, and, and the same on the, on the technology um, side. If you just put a nice uh, front-end app to it, come on. Yeah, this is, this is a work of a few days and, the, and, and nobody wrote the chatbot internally. They just take a tool um, and to it and then saying, this is now disrupting insurance. Um, as you said, this is very unfair to what, you know, um, uh, some really cool from the incumbents there's some really cool um, uh, there's a reason we don't do motor uh, mm. we think that in motor man there's there are quite some smart players um, out there and they earn money of course if you just underwrite risk at the 30% loss you know it's easy yeah I, <laughs> I come from the outside and the first thing people told me you know you can grow as fast as you want you just have to cut price yeah, yeah you get all the risk easy everybody will want to give it to you so your top line grows through the roof the question is do you at the end make money mm. um, and with it and you cannot just write it off you know if you outgrow your problem you can write off a bit but but not a lot and that's why i think there are not so many companies that do the heavy lifting of both insurance and technology and if you look 
people that started with an MGA and some technology, they at the end then acquired a carrier or they, they, they turned into a carrier. So it's just a question of when you do it. And we decided it's, it's heavier, it's costlier, it takes a bit longer at the beginning, but we wanted to do both right from the beginning. And now I think we are very, very flexible from being it um, parametric um, insurances to any kind of standard um, insurances to any kind of B2B to B2 whatever um, value chain um, integration, whatever kind of data integration. And uh, the insurance industry is a complex one. So you have to offer a service that handles the complexity and that's technology wise, not so easy. I haven't seen so many at least. No. Uh, one product is easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, no, that's very true. Um, and I think that's it. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, someone said to me that, that some of the businesses that have been launched in the insure tech space, you know, are they even products or are they just features of products? And, and, and I think there's definitely a risk there that, you know, unless you're offering a real suite of end to end value chain solutions on technology point of view, um, you know, your best hope is to be acquired. Your, your worst fear is to be basically made irrelevant by better technology, um, which obviously is always the case with technology. Oh, or you run out of marketing money. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but I wanted to actually just circle back on the, on, on the, the business model, because I do think it's interesting that that, that decision was made. So you know, predominantly your B2B to X is, is kind of the, the, I just wanted to sort of, you know, Get the thinking behind that. Um, you know, why why not look at alternative models, or did you look at alternative models? And 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 you know, um, like any proper modern company, you have tons of ideas um, and coming up every day. Yeah, yeah. So um, and and then and probably they are all in in their own kind valid, but you can't do all of them at the same. Um, and time. So yes, we we of course looked um, at the at B2C at the very beginning. Uh, we strategically decided it's an absolute no-go um, for us. I also don't know how the model in PNC could work if you perhaps upsell later life and health and whatever it might work in the model, but um, we don't believe um, it works. So I think we explored a lot we went also to uh, more classical products and uh, explored it on broker pools or something just to, to test a bit what does it mean, what technology requests are out there. Mm -hmm. this, this idea that you know better how the market works, especially me who comes not doesn't come from the industry, you need to have a lot of product partner combinations to really understand what the market really needs. Yeah, and of course, they need a great product uh, with great features at the lowest price. Yeah, that's, you know, everybody can write that down. Mm. But what does it actually mean? What kind of integration um, and do they need? Uh, do they really need real time? Do they need ops and, and support or not? Or an MGA, do they want to do it themselves? And how do you do data exchange? How do you be compliant on a, on a European level? Um, uh, both when it comes to the insurance regulator, but also from when it comes to, to data protection. Mm -hmm. That's then where, where the complexity um, starts. Mm -hmm. And um, we decided that we serve a couple of markets. So not only 
One, we are strong believer of embedded insurance. Uh, whether this will take off in one year or two years, probably not so much on numbers, probably on use cases. Mm-hmm. Will it be very strong in five, 10, 15 years? Yeah, that's what we believe. And that's, that's what we build now. We build um, the, the relationship with our partners. If Vodafone, for example, on an embedded insurance um, solution, all you type in is your telephone number and the rest is done um, with one more click. Uh, you have an insurance product that's actually relevant um, to you. Um, or we, we did banking um, and, and solutions. Uh, we now um, did the Sparkasse. It's uh, for non-Germans very difficult um, to actually understand. It's like the mutuals um, and I'm out there. It's still the largest banking corporation in, in, in Germany. Um, and we do the cyber protection or the buyer protection for, for the, the Apple Pay. Um, they do with the Giro card, again, a very German thing, but it's the largest payment method um, in, in Germany. So we very much believe in that space. Do we believe that the highest numbers will come out of that in the, in the near future? Um, and actually, actually not. Um, I think that the classical insurers or the ones that have a purpose of distributing insurances like MGAs are, um, or at least the demand we see from them uh, currently by far outstrips um, embedded insurance players. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking as you as you reflected on motor, and obviously I know that you're not operating in the motor space, but when you think of acquiring customers on a particularly on a B2C model, you know, I think I think it was progressive. Someone came out and said basically if you're not spending a billion dollars a year on marketing, you're not even going to make a dent. And then uh, just reflecting on the on the model, you just think, well, why? why spend that yourselves when you've got people with, they've got that customer engagement. You, you, yeah. you just need to give them the tools. I hope that there are a lot of out there that spend a billion um, on customer acquisition and then they have to do something with these customers Yes, and they have to offer them 30 different insurance products. And I'm very willing to support them with not the motor part, with the other 29. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and we do that cheaper, better integrated at their brand and whatsoever. We, when I looked at the very beginning um, on, on the market, um, if you look at the unit economics of insurance, there's a lot of room for improvement. Mm-hmm. Uh, mainly, we call it on the claims and the fraud uh, part, on the internal operations part, on the overall efficiency of how to set up uh, a company without the legacy um, and, and to it. The problem is that these, whatever, 20 percentage points um, don't make a customer buy. You know, in my previous world, if you were 2% cheaper on an Xbox, man, everything sold. Yeah, easy. Insurance doesn't work um, that way. So you need the, the, the customer, you need the trust, you need the, the, the brand, you need the engagement. And there are actually a lot of companies who are very good at that. Mm-hmm. Online, offline, multi-channel, whatever, you know, all the, the, the marketing um slang is is there and they know it they know it's so much better i'm a b2b guy they know it's so much better and and we believe that you know why not combine the two things there's you know people say every company will be a fintech you know and if insurance is part of fin then we'll be the enabler for every company to be an insurer tech or at least offering insurances and being that complementing your value chain and therefore offering something to your customer that enhances the overall positioning of your, of your company, your brand, and helps you to sell a product because 
insurance actually enables um, the product. Or if it's a, a pure upsell because you have the customer interaction, that's all fine um, with us, but that's not our specialty. We believe that there are so many out there that own the customer or have a good customer access, and we don't want to double spend. We don't. We are not in the CAC versus lifetime value play, mm-hmm. yeah? which makes it a bit more difficult on the investor side because CAC versus lifetime in an Excel sheet is actually rather easy. Um, mm-hmm. An insurance PNL is not. <laughs> I think. Um... Yeah. Something I was going to ask you, because you come from, uh, you know, a different market, one of the themes that I've picked up is, is I think in insurance, one of the challenges has been changing the, the, the sort of traditional insurance delivery model, the customer experience, and then creating it more modern. Because one of the things I've come up against is a little bit culturally resistant of saying, well, insurance is more complicated than that, or it works differently. Because my argument has always been that I'm a consumer and of of many different things. So I'm I'm influenced by my experience with Amazon, my experience with I don't know any anything I could buy. It just bleeds into my kind of consciousness. So even if I'm buying commercial insurance for you know some huge organization, I want it to feel the same. I, I, I want that instant delivery i want the simplicity of it and i don't think i think simplicity has been a challenge um do you think that's one of the advantages you bring from being more consumer centric yes whereas we don't serve the consumer but i think we provide no. the tools so that you are consumer centric and what does you use a lot of words which are out there to describe this consumer focus and simplicity is one thing, but what does it actually mean? It should be simple for the consumer, which means you need a lot of data points not coming from the consumer because then it's complicated. So, but that means you need the data integrated from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And again, we come to our business model, the partner has a lot of data. So if you in a compliant way manage to utilize the data, the customer doesn't have to provide the data and the customer gets a better tailored um, um, product. Whether that might be used also for a higher margin, yes, but that's that's fair in a free world um, um, to do so. Yeah, if you don't cheat um, the customer, the customer protection is actually quite strong. So, too much cheating is by now, at least from what I see from now being in the industry, actually not possible um, anymore. And if it will be found out, uh, actually, um, quite fast. And and providing that. As I said, complexity as a service, this heavy lifting, this back and middle layer operations, so that companies that serve a customer and know a lot about the customer, have a good customer interaction, can easily integrate that and therefore provide a simple product. That's our purpose. Mm. Yeah? And then I think, because if each company will try to do that, they will not create that simple product. Because for that little market they can serve, even if they are a large uh, uh, platform or uh, whatsoever, it, it's not worth to invest the hundreds of millions you need at the end um, and to build that complexity as a service um, a machine. But we build it and then we provide it to the market. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And that's why also we provide it to insurance companies. We provide it to MGAs. We provide it to the, to the Vodafones, the Sparkassen um, and of this um, world because it's actually a service. Yeah, this data integration, complexity, customized product, it's a service so that other partners can serve their customer better or call it 
simpler or in a, in a more customer centric centric way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, no, it makes sense that you, you, the more com- yeah, the more complex the problem you're solving, the customer doesn't have to provide that complexity. Um, B two B partnerships, or for for, for you, um, what what makes the most successful partnerships for you in your business? You know, what are the sort of key elements that, that drive that successful partnership for you? I think if it's clear that everybody has a certain USP, and then you basically Lego build it um, all together, and then you see, hey man, if we do that together, yeah, uh, we have actually a great product, a great service, uh, whatever um, and the outcome is. Um, and then I think being honest about that and, and, and sharing and then building something, and then you can actually be quite fast. You know? um, and and um, yeah, we try to build our USP. Um, our partners' USP is mostly very clear, the, the customer access, the, the, the brand, the um, the, the data, um, of course, um, and then combining that uh, actually builds something quite cool. And that's why we are, for example, not the right one to just provide whatever the, the cheapest standard product um, on the market. Handling complexity, handling data is not, is not a USP anymore. Yeah, you basically do a bet in your underwriting or in your pricing. That's not our, our model. So Others are probably much better um, in, in providing the, 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 the cheapest standard product um, on the market. But even that, I think we just won uh, for accident insurance, uh, the best insurance award. But that's a side topic that was because our partner was actually developing. Um, I mean, you know, it was not us. Yeah, it was our partner um, who came up with the structure um, of it. And we just used our machine to handle the complexity um, and he demanded in order to create a product that is, was then rewarded and, uh, and that, that's not, it's not our intellectual property, so to say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No. Mm. So um, I want to switch gears slightly and, and, and talk to you about um, culture because uh, you know, culture is very close to what I do looking after the talent side of the business. Um, it's something we talk about a lot when trying to attract the right people. Um, but you know, obviously you're growing very fast your relatively, you know, young company. Um, how do you maintain that culture um, when you're growing um, so rapidly? Um, and, and, and what sort of practical steps can you kind of um, put in place for that? Yeah. Um, first of all, the culture part, very, very important. The, the, the second part of your question, the maintain part, I'm, I'm not so sure. Um, actually, because that that would mean that the people who were there first decide on the culture, and then you maintain um, on the culture. And probably the the initial group, the first group, is a quite homogeneous um, um, group. Um, and if you look at probably any company now, um, us as well, we have a, a very diverse group of of people, and therefore I think evolving culture is is even more challenging because mm. maintaining and then just stick and saying that's it. And if you don't fit, please leave or something. It's actually easier. I just don't think it's the right um, approach. So culture is is something that is that is 
changing, evolving um, over time. And if you look at us specifically, we have called it four culture groups. And I don't mean from where they are from or what gender, uh, what belief or, 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 or whatsoever. That's, that's not what I mean um, with, with, with culture. They, they are from everywhere. And, uh, the, um, you have tech and most of the tech, at least in the past, good tech didn't have a lot of insurance um, and history. Um, if you look at the insurance um, and, and people, um, they had a mid-level experience, so to say, so they still want to change something. They still want to change course of their life, but they have a certain experience, but they're still, say, uh, culturally closer to a traditional insurance um, and, and company. Also because a traditional insurance company normally is very strict on certain hierarchical approaches or certain forms of what has been there for a hundred years um, and, and now. And within these groups, you then have certain subgroups. We have uh, call it the regulatory part, a bit more experience. Um, they, at the end, have a final say in certain um, areas. They need to be stricter. They cannot just always laugh and say, let's run fast and, and, and whatsoever. Um, and then you have the business people who somehow glue it together and you know, sometimes have to make a, a 10 out of a three and then round it to 100. And uh, on a slide, it's suddenly 1,000. And it's... it's and, and, and these cultures you have to bring them together. And a company grows with a different momentum in each phase and with people coming in. Um, that's why I think we have actually a good culture. Could I actually really actively describe it? Um, probably not because we are very much in the forming um, phase. Yeah, people are coming. Some people, unfortunately, are leaving. Um, there, there's a strong forming um, of, of culture um, going on. It's probably not what you actually asked, but it's a bit how it is at Element right now. <laughs> no, I think, no, I think it's a really important point. I mean, I, I, I talk about this a lot. So I, I do a lot of my work with like seed funded, Series A funded businesses. Um, and it's a really interesting point because the people that join seed and get you from zero to, you know, zero to 10, and not necessarily the people that take you from 10 to 100, um, and in fact, they're not even necessarily the people that want to do that journey either. That there, there, there are kind of people for different stages. Um, and perhaps the culture is different. Mm. Perhaps at the beginning, it's the, the famous pizza nights and whatsoever. And everybody is perhaps incentivized by because they, they own part of the company. And then you grow and then you perhaps hire a specialist who has two kids is uh, 45 years old. Yes, upside is one thing, but you know, a certain base salary and you can't just then live out of your one room or whatever that perhaps the founder is still doing in certain imaginative dreams or something. It's, so I think it's very, very difficult to then say everybody has to earn uh, whatever, $20,000 a year and uh, has to commit and everything people just can't or don't want to and then you would exclude them and then you are not diverse and without the diversity you don't have the potential of of the people and then i don't think you can build a great company mm. that's why i think culture has certain boundary conditions yeah yeah if you're an asshole you're out whether whatever kind of belief there is <laughs> um, 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 around it if that's culture yes there's culture but that's 
that's not what the culture of a company at the end um, and does. And um, I think there was a famous com company said, don't be evil. And hmm, I think that changed over time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mentioning no names, but um, yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. Um, and I, I think there's something really important in what you said there, because it's something that comes back to me when I'm working with companies trying to find talent and sometimes there'll be, restrictions on compensation um which i understand but there's there's a direct implication on who you can and can't hire because i think that's largely speaking and this is a huge sweeping generalization but you miss out in the middle in that a lot of people can be flexible earlier in their career because they don't have as many commitments financially or later in their career where they again might be free of commitments children have been through university, left home, et cetera, houses paid off. But the bit in the middle where, you know, you, you might have a young family or you might, or just have financial commitments, then having to have the opportunity to go and work for a startup um, and someone offering you this fabled equity as, as a kind of compensation, um, it's a real challenge. And, and I, I don't know how to square the circle when I'm, or even advise it. I don't know if there is a way around it because there are limitations on the money that can be spent because it should go on growing the business. But it, but it, but I think you just have to acknowledge that that brings a challenge with um, diversifying, um, and and it may be something that you have to address as you become more mature. Yeah, or or you have to accept that diversity is there, and diversity also means that not everything is the same or equal. Mm. Yeah, they. Um, a junior lawyer um, or uh, a, a junior DAF uh, have higher salaries because the market has just offers just higher salaries than a junior X, Y, Z in perhaps other areas. Mm. Is that fair or should I out of culture pay everybody um, I'm the same and therefore spend, invest the money which I might not have to spend? Mm -hmm. I don't think there's really a right answer. There might be totally the right thing to say, no, this, this doesn't matter. Yeah, we all contribute and therefore we, we pay the same. But this is, then you have a certain distinct approach. Mm -hmm. But I think it's totally allowed that other companies have a different approach. And uh, luckily, at least the people, at least we try to attract them that we have um, in here, they can work anywhere else. So th there, is, there is no slavery. They can leave tomorrow and have another job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Im immediately. So they form part of that um, um, culture and they, I think they are very well aware that person A might earn more or uh, decided because perhaps even has private wealth or uh, has no family and can live on a lower salary and opts for more options um, I'm, I'm, I'm to it. But this is just as it is. People are not the same. Yeah, equal, yes, but not the same. We are different. We have different objectives. Perhaps people want to work for 20K with a high upside and others say, I, if I don't have 100K, mm. I can't maintain and, and I would get it in the traditional industry. So they stay. So mm. I think you have to be very flexible. That's why I say was the culture has to evolve mm. um, and over time. I don't know what kind of people we perhaps need in two years. Yeah, and perhaps they will totally change the company. Perhaps I'm wrong in two years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hope just somebody will tell me or I realize because then it is better for element if somebody else is doing it. Yeah, yeah. I hope not, but 
it might be the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. No, we, yeah. we don't. I don't think people talk about that enough. I think, I think in my experience, um, people are very fearful of people leaving the business, for example. And a certain amount of churn is healthy. You want new people bringing in. You want new ideas. Um, and, and, and yeah, and you don't get that. But it's definitely a... Excuse me when I interrupt you, because no. I think especially when it comes to senior people, mm -hmm. if, if you think that your job is actually to grow your team, and often people say, well, if you make yourself redundant, mm. perfect. And you, I think you perfectly achieved your job because somebody else can do that and you're free. Mm -hmm. And then you, you're either free to do something within the company, but perhaps there is just nothing at that moment. Mm. So then you have two options. You have to realize, oh, man, yeah, and, and perhaps you do some kind of project work or you think about the future. But if that is a long-term thing, you have two options. You can either protect your position and keep your team down, which is definitely not what you should be doing, or your team is leaving and then you constantly have to train Uh, people and you stay on top or you leave but this leaving is often considered as extremely negative ah oh, whatever company x lost uh, a leadership person x y said perhaps this was the best thing ever because the person was just a wonderful leader that grew the team mm. but again i i don't know you know and i i definitely don't judge from 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 the outside um but it's not easy yeah a mm. hundred plus opinions on what is the right thing are not always going in the same direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, definitely not. Um, and just to touch on that, and I'm conscious of your time, but uh, I'm, uh, I'll start to wrap things up. But um, I wanted to ask you, 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 the business and yourself hired a co-CEO last year who was more from a traditional insurance background. Um, You know, was was that important for the interaction of the insurance, and and why was that the sort of time to to bring that person into the business? Uh, yes, it was very important, and I'm very very glad um, I'm of that. Um, uh, could that have happened a year earlier? Yeah, of course. Yeah, was it perhaps the right time, also with the overall um, um, situation, um, Eric specifically? It's, it's, a, it's a very rare breed. You don't find people that combine that and have basically built and, and what, what we want to build internally multiple times that really fulfill the, the, the criteria, which is actually quite high on. on um, and. And, and finding somebody who is by heart actually driven, you can call it entrepreneurial, but driven by building um, and, and something, but having the, the functional, the content um, and expertise um, and, and to it. Uh, and then it, it works on the, on the human side, on the cultural side, on the trust um, side. There are not so many, um, I fear, um, out there. If there are more, please call me. We are very happy to open up <laughs> on, 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 on that. Uh, I heard you're in the business as well. So man, please. Yes. Yeah. No, but it's, 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 it's very rare um, and to find it. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm more than, more than happy. Yeah. Uh, and, and also after half a year where, you know, this initial, you know, grinding of finding ways and, then I have to realize, man, I would have done it that way. Why is he doing it differently? And that it 
can only be wrong. And then you realize how, no, he is actually right, not you are right. Mm. Um, and that's actually a good feeling. It's a good feeling to, to realize that uh, uh, people improve the company by doing something differently than you would have done it. Um, mm. And then so, so yeah, but man, is, if there's a fourth and a fifth and a sixth and whatever, man, perfect, please. Please well, come. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that as a perfect point to end on because I've now got recorded for the for the public consumption that uh, you've asked me to send you yeah. brilliant people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, but Christian, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, I think it's a fascinating um, business and um, and it's a really good trajectory and. I'd love to catch up in probably a, a year's time and, 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 and do another episode and see where you are then because probably be double or treble the numbers. And um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be great to see how far on the journey you've got. Yeah, Alex, thanks a lot. And we trouble, of course, uh, bottom line, not people, but um, yes. <laughs> yeah, true, very true. Um, I'm always obsessed with the people because that's, uh, that's good for yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, but, but we will increase uh, the... On, on the smart side of the people definitely yes yeah. yeah no thanks really thanks a lot i really appreciate it um all what i thought before was nonsense so um yeah thanks a lot for giving me the opportunity and and all the questions thanks thanks Kristen. goodbye As always, this podcast is brought to you by FinPro Search Partners, often simply known as FinPro. FinPro is an executive recruitment business working in the insurance and insure tech space on an international basis. If you would like to find out more about FinPro, please visit our website, www.wearefinpro.com or our FinPro company page on LinkedIn. I've been your host, Alex Bond, and I would personally love to connect with anyone who is interested in the changing world of insurance. So feel free to reach out to me directly, um, either on LinkedIn or via my email, uh, alex at wearefinpro.com. I hope you enjoyed the podcast, and I hope to see you back next week. Thank you.